Hey everyone, it's author Josh Sabalski. Welcome to episode four of Second Story Work, the novel. In today's episode, we're going to listen to chapters 11 through 13. Just to recap, at the end of chapters 9 and 10 last week, Derek, Messi, Hecky, and Arlove had a discussion about Derek's workplace, the liquor store. Derek also met the girl of his dreams, Mandy. Without further ado, here's chapters 11 through 13. I hope you enjoy. Chapter 11, September 1st, 2008. On Labor Day, Derek went to the old Admirable Pub at 4.30 p.m. for a beer. He had just worked an 8-4 to shift and was waiting for the bus to go home. At 4.45, Derek's boss frantically walked in the door and strolled over to him. I'm glad you're still here. Can you close? Andrew called in sick. He offered Derek two additional days off if he worked the close that night. Derek agreed. He left the bar and went back to work. He would be closing with three girls and a young man named Maddie. Maddie was a Chinese kid that started at the store around the same time as Derek. They were starting to form a close friendship. Maddie dressed in bright, flashy clothes, had magma red hair, and drove a matching convertible. He liked loud music, loud movies, and loud everything. At 8 p.m., Derek grabbed dinner from the burger shack down the street and ate in his office. At 9 p.m., he entered the beer cooler and stocked it full until 10.15 p.m., after which he began his closing duties. He instructed the three girls on the closing procedures that he wanted to have in place that night. Sarah, a tiny blonde college student, was the first cashier Derek spoke with. Chrissy was the second. Lastly, there was a tiny brunette college student named Michelle. At 11 p.m., Derek locked the doors to the store. He and the girls then carried the three tills and tip jars back to the office where Maddie joined them. They made their counts, completed their drops, grabbed their belongings, and walked to the door where they waited for Derek to turn out the lights. Derek unlocked the door. Maddie and the girls exited while he followed. They watched as he began to lock the gate and set the alarm. Derek felt someone grab his hair from behind and smash his face off the wall. He fell to a knee and heard the words, hands where I can see them. Someone was taking the store. Maddie and the girls put their hands in the air and froze. Fuck, exclaimed Derek, his face now covered in blood. The masked man whispered, keep your hands up. You're going to go inside and do as we say. We won't hurt you if you're calm. Clear? Clear, replied Derek. The three girls and Maddie stood up against the wall with their hands up. They all muttered the words, clear. Another man appeared behind the first masked man. The men all wore black ski masks over their faces, black hoodies, and jeans. They held large knives. They allowed Derek to stand back up. He reopened the store and walked inside. The first masked man walked behind him, following his every move. The girls and Maddie followed, with the other two masked men in the rear. The first masked man walked behind Derek as he walked down the hallway that led to a storage room. The office was in the same hallway. He looked back at the girls and pointed to the floor. Phones on the floor. They pulled out their phones and tossed them onto the ground. The two other men searched their hostages for additional cell phones. The first masked man whispered, You and the girls, pointing to Maddie, you go into the stock room and wait. That's it. You won't see us again. Just sit down, shut your mouths, and it'll be okay. The taller of the masked men opened the door to the stock room. Maddie and the girls walked inside and the door was locked behind them. The first masked man pointed to the office. Derek and the men walked inside. The first masked man 
turned on the lights, blinding Derek and blurring his vision. Derek shut his eyes. His head was pounding. He had a concussion. The three men pulled out a duffel bag and set it on the floor. One of the men left the room. The first masked man pointed to the safe and the taller man dragged Derek over to it. Derek opened his eyes, tried to clear his vision, and opened the safe on the first try. The clock read 11.39 p.m., 21 minutes until the call came from the security company. The first masked man turned his attention to the drop safe. That was the safe with the real money. He bent down, studied it, reached into a bag and pulled out a modified plumbing snake. He maneuvered the snake, and after about 30 seconds of struggling, he pulled an envelope out. At 11.45, they pulled out a second envelope. A minute later, they pulled out a third. The taller man began pulling cash from the envelopes and piling it in a bag. They pulled a fourth envelope. After five more minutes of struggling, the men pulled the last two envelopes from the drop box. The first masked man stood up, wrote a note, and shoved it in Derek's face. It read, where's the last envelope? I don't know, yelled Derek. The masked man punched Derek in the face, dropping him to the floor. God damn it, exclaimed Derek. There are boxes under the registers. Combo 63139. The taller man pulled out a rope and flicked Derek on his stomach. He tied his hands behind his back and his hands to his feet. They put the last of their money in the bag and left. Two minutes later, the phone rang. Security calling. No answer. Five minutes later, another call. Another call five minutes after that. At 12.20 a.m., the RCMP arrived on the scene. Derek could hear voices and footsteps in the distance. He looked back over his shoulder and saw flashlights shining in the store. An officer entered the store, ran over to the office, and knelt down beside Derek. Is anyone else still here? I don't know, replied Derek. Are you hurt? I don't think so, Derek answered. Give me a second and I'll cut these off. The officer helped free him. Derek shook the cobwebs off and tried to stand. Kid, I think you have a concussion. You're pretty wobbly. Derek looked around. How is everyone? Are they okay? The cop answered. They're fine. You guys did the right thing. They won't get far. The officer walked Derek out of the store to the parking lot. There were four cop cars with lights flashing. The lights blinded Derek. He couldn't decipher who were police and who were paramedics. The robbery itself remained hazy. Derek wondered, did this really happen? A paramedic walked Derek to the back of an ambulance to run a few tests. A short while later, Derek was approached by a police officer, a larger man, at least 6'4", with a heavy build. He had thin graphite gray hair, a weathered face, and haunted deep-set eyes. He looked as though he had seen everything awful that this world could offer. He dressed in a suit and tie and held a file folder. He removed his badge from his jacket pocket and showed it to Derek. Good evening, Mr. Searsant. Am I saying that right? My name's James Roby. Yeah, Searsant, replied Derek. My friends call me Sarge. Hey, that's what they call me too. Derek replied. Oh, that's cool. Yes, Searsant just means Sarge in Polish. Roby nodded his head. Right on. Listen, son, I've got a few questions about what happened. Is it okay if we talk right now? Derek once again nodded. Yeah, it's fine. Roby opened his file folder. Anything unusual happened tonight? Derek hesitated before he answered. Other than the robbery? No, not really. Were there any cars parked outside? Any upset customers? Derek once again hesitated. I had one customer upset because we wouldn't take back his empties. It's a holiday. It's company policy. Okay, Roby replied. Do you know how tall the robbers were? Derek shook his head. I never saw them. The others may have had a better look. One guy seemed shorter, I think. 
You think? Asked Roby. I don't know. His voice just came from lower than your voice would. Roby nodded. Good catch. Did they use any names or codes? They have any smells or any distinct voices? Derek snickered. I smoke, so I don't smell so good. That's okay. Any names? Derek answered once again. They only spoke twice in a whisper. Derek winced. Sorry, I can't help more. They just caught us off guard. It's okay, son. No one goes to work expecting this. If I have more questions, I'll be in touch. You can grab your possessions tomorrow. Derek nodded. Thank you, sir. The paramedic finished the tests and cautioned Derek to stay in a dark, quiet room for the next three days. They allowed Derek to stand up and walk across the parking lot past the police officers. He walked toward the sidewalk when he heard a voice call out from behind him. Mr. Searsant. Derek turned around slowly to see Sergeant Roby running towards him. Would you like a ride home, son? He asked. I was going to take the bus, Derek replied. We've blocked buses from coming down the street. Let me give you a ride. It's no problem. I'm wrapped up here. Chapter 12, October 4th, 2009. Mandy Arruda, four foot eleven of graceful beauty. The girl of Derek's dreams. The girl he could never talk to. She was classy and charming. Her eyes were captivating and her warmth inviting. She sat beside Derek in a rundown laundromat in Canmore, Alberta. What's your story? She asked. Well, I'm from Renfrew, Ontario. Mandy paused for a second. Derek knew she was working her geography. Poplinski, he's from there, right? Derek snickered. Yeah, he is. How the hell did you know that? My dad is a huge Flames fan. Jim owns a few dealerships in Calgary. That's crazy, said Derek. Where are you from? Here, she replied as she sipped from her coffee cup. What do you do for work? Mandy finished her sip. My dad and I actually own a few businesses, including the diner. Wow, that's really cool. Your father must really trust you. Mandy laughed. I'm more of an adult than he is. I gotta ask, said Derek. Why the hell haven't you changed the damn coffee? Mandy laughed. Ask my dad. Don't think I won't, yelled an animated Derek. Mandy smiled. Are you close with your family? Um, not really, replied Derek in a downcast fashion. I moved out at 16 to live with a billet family. What's that? Asked Mandy. So I played hockey away from home and I lived with a family there. Oh, wow. That must have been so hard, replied Mandy, sympathetic to Derek. Yeah, it was. I lost a lot of years with them, but it was a good experience. Mandy and Derek went back and forth learning about each other. Before they knew it, an hour had passed and Derek felt himself falling. He felt trusting and playful for the first time in years. September 2nd, 2008. Sergeant Roby's car was what you would have expected from a hardened police detective. It was a Crown Victoria, and it looked lived in. Fast food bags on the floor and file folders on the seats. Derek began to think about all of his favorite cop characters from television and film. Murphy, Hannah, Mills, Somerset, Mackie, Vendrell, Gardaki, Lemonhead, even Shaft. Roby started the car and put on his seatbelt. He took a look over at Derek to see if he was wearing his. He was. Ropey then tossed Derek's cell phone onto his lap and put the car in drive. Here's your phone. Thanks, replied Derek. You don't need it? No, I checked the tapes. They tossed your phones when they're still wearing gloves. Unless you've got them in your contacts. Derek laughed at the thought. Yeah, it's my parents. Go grab them. Roby laughed as he drove past Brentwood Mall. Derek's mind started to race. Did Roby have an ulterior motive for driving him? 
How long have you worked at the liquor store? Asked Roby. Derek counted out the months in his head. Seven months or so. You ever catch people loitering around the place? Any employees that have had a grudge or anything like that? Derek thought for a second. Eh, people linger all the time. We've got regulars that usually beg so that they can buy singles. I'm up here on the right, said Derek as he pointed. Roby pulled his car over. He reached into his pocket and pulled out a business card. If you have any questions or sleepless nights, just give me a call. Anything at all. Okay, son? Derek's jaw hit the floor. He was positive that Roby was implying his involvement. Derek was unnerved. He tried to keep it together. Take the card and go, he thought. Take the card, say thanks, and get out of his car. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Derek awoke the next morning at 10 a.m. He walked downstairs and was surprised to find his three roommates in the living room sitting on the couch. Jesus, you guys scared the shit out of me, shouted Derek. Why aren't you at work? Grab a coffee, said Hecky. Derek turned and walked into the kitchen. What's up, boys? Are we finally sorting out this living arrangement? Derek poured a coffee and walked over to join his friends. You doing all right? Asked Messi. Not great. My store got robbed last night. Derek saw the looks on the faces of his friends, and he knew it. You shouldn't sleep with a concussion, Sarge, said Hecky. You motherfuckers, shouted Derek. Jesus fucking Christ. Calm down, dude, said Hecky. Keep your voice down. How could you do that to me? Do you know how fucked up that is? You weren't supposed to fucking be there, shouted Messi. Yeah, why the fuck were you there? Asked Arlov. I got asked to work a double shift, so I did. Wait, there was only two. Who? Where was the third? I was a lookout, said Arlov. I was there. You saw me. Look, we're sorry, said Hecky with sincerity, but we did this for all of us, you included. We knew the police would question the employees and you needed plausible deniability, which you definitely had. You fucking dummies. What were we supposed to do, Derek? Asked Hecky. Just sit tight and let an opportunity pass us by? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe just don't commit a felony? Messi spoke up. Sarge, you can sit on your high horse, but we did you a favor. We all needed that money, you included. Now we've bought ourselves some time here. It's true. I was a week away from leaving, said Arlov. Yeah, me too, said Derek. That's why we did it, continued Hecky. We cashed in big. How much? Derek wondered. 104000 shouted Messi. Jesus Christ, uttered Derek. And you had nothing to do with it, Sarge, said Hecky. And if anyone asks, you don't say any different. What are we going to do with it? Asked Derek. Well, said Arlov, we need to get out of the house ASAP. I thought that we could take out a little bit at a time, like a thousand a month each, said Hecky. That gives us 26 months to establish ourselves. We need to get a storage room or something and get this out of here. We should sit on it a bit before we spend it, said Derek. You sure have a lot of opinions on how to spend money you didn't steal, said Messi. Do you want to draw attention to us? Asked Derek. Not really, Messi replied. Then shut your mouth and let's forget about it until Thanksgiving, Derek shot back. The boys sat on the money for the next month. Roby would pop into Derek's work every couple days to check on him or to freak him out. Derek didn't really know. Roby never made any remarks to him regarding that night, nor did he ask Derek for an additional statement. The boys were very fortunate that another three-man crew was running around Vancouver ripping people off. Hecky's hope was that the robbery would get lumped in with the dozen that the other guys had committed. By Thanksgiving, the heat seemed to be off. Derek hadn't seen a cop around the store for weeks. Chapter 13, October 4th, 2009 Their laundry was done. 
The hands on the clock were ticking down. Their time together was running out. Derek began folding his clothes on top of a table, as did Mandy. He knew it was pointless to fold the clothes. He was going to have to wash them again after his clammy, sweaty palms had touched them. He took off his sweater and set it on a chair. Mandy folded her last article of clothing, picked up her basket, and walked over to him. She set her basket next to his. What are you doing later? Getting more tattoos? Asked Mandy, catching Derek completely off guard. He looked at his tattooed arms. He should have waited to show her that. I don't know, he answered. She looked at him and smiled. Would you like to do something? My tats didn't scare you away? Well, said Mandy, I'd prefer you didn't have them, but you had a world before I came around. Derek smiled and Mandy continued. Would you like me to pick you up? I would like, replied Derek. Mandy smiled, picked up her basket and walked toward the door. Great, I'll pick you up at seven. October, 2008. On Thanksgiving weekend, Hecky drove down to the storage unit, took out $4,000 and put it in a duffel bag. He arrived back at the house and walked room to room, dropping off a monthly allowance. Hecky walked into Derek's room. He was lying in bed watching a movie on his laptop. He stood over Derek and grinned as he threw a stack of 20s onto his mattress. The money sat on the bed for a few moments before Derek picked it up and looked at it. A thousand bucks. More money than he'd ever had. He needed it to pay off a few charges owing on his credit card. Or he could go to the mall. Derek opened his door and followed Hecky downstairs to the front foyer. Arlov was standing there putting on his coat. What's up? asked Derek. I'm going to Metro Town. I need some stuff. Do you want to come? The money in Derek's hand began to burn. Yup. Arlov and Derek left the house and jumped on a bus to Metro Town. Derek felt a level of discomfort. He wasn't used to having so much cash in his pocket. This was a first. Derek had lunch, then made a quick stop at Pet Habitat before he set out to do some shopping. He dropped $150 on sunglasses, $50 on a Sidney Crosby hoodie, $45 on a Minnesota Twins New Era hat, and $200 on a few pairs of jeans and some new Pumas. That was it. He knew he had to stop spending. Arlov texted him and they met in front of the Real Canadian Superstore. Arlov had more bags than Derek. Jesus Christ, Arlov, what's the matter with you? It's my fucking money, he replied. You blow your money on Pumas and blow, and I'll blow mine on Xbox and Magic. Oh, you're a magician now, Derek replied. Magic. It's a strategy game, you fucking donkey. The boys walked into the real Canadian superstore where they purchased groceries for their Thanksgiving feast the next day. Derek was walking through the produce department when Messi texted him. Eight, question mark. Derek texted back the letter Y. After purchasing that, the groceries, his clothes, and a cab home, Derek had spent $800 in just a few hours. On Sunday morning, Derek woke up and made himself a big breakfast. Afterwards, he sat in the backyard with a cup of coffee and a cigarette and began thinking about his money. The idea of Hecky having his money made him very uncomfortable. It hadn't crossed his mind before, but he really wanted to hang on to it himself. He was finishing his cigarette when Messi and Arlov walked outside and sat down. What's going on? asked Derek. Not much, they both replied. You're putting on a feast tonight, I hear, said Messi. Yeah, man, the works. You can do that? Messi asked again. I can make anything, replied Derek. You guys just never asked. Speaking of, said Arlov as he paused and looked over at Messi. Just say it, Ryan, said Messi, referring to Arlov by his real name. 
Say what? Asked Eric. We need to ask Hecky for our money. We never agreed that he could hold it, and neither did you. I was just thinking that, said Derek. I don't like it either. A few hours later, Messi, Arlov, and Derek sat down in the living room and began stuffing their faces. Derek knew that his meal was a hit. There was a real lack of conversation. After dinner, the boys sat down with a coffee and a slice of pecan pie. As they started dessert, Hecky walked into the house. Hello. Hey, buddy. We're in here, replied Derek. Hecky walked into the kitchen and grinned. Jesus, that smells good. Who cooked? I did, Derek replied. Grab a plate. There's lots. Hecky reached into the cupboard and grabbed a wine glass and a plate. He grabbed some food, poured some wine, and sat down beside Arlove. He began eating. Sarge, where the fuck did you learn to cook like this? I don't know, dude, Derek replied. I just picked it up over the years. Is this dill pickle soup? Derek nodded his head and walked into the kitchen. He cut Hecky a slice of pie and poured a cup of coffee. He walked back into the living room and placed the coffee and the pie in front of Hecky just as he was enjoying his last few bites. Messi stood up, cleared his dishes, and dropped them off in the sink. He began to walk towards the stairs when Derek stepped in his path. Dishes? asked Derek. Later, replied Messi as he sidestepped Derek and darted up the stairs to his room. Derek knew what Messi was doing. He didn't want to be in the room for the awkwardness. Arlov had left the room as well. Some friends, thought Derek. Hecky continued to eat his meal as Derek walked over to the coffee maker. He poured another cup of coffee, this time for himself, and shut the machine off. I thought you were having dinner with your folks. Mom's sick, Hecky replied. She wasn't up to it. Sorry to hear that. Ah, it happens, replied Hecky. What'd you guys do this weekend? Arlov and I hit the mall and, uh, well, pretty much spent all our money. What about you? You guys spent it all? Hecky wondered. I thought we were supposed to conserve that so we can get ourselves ahead. Can't just blow money on clothes and shit. Dude, I was wearing jeans for fucking high school. No one's going to care if I stop looking homeless. Don't tell me how to spend my money. Look, man, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to control you. I just want us to be smart. Hecky began backtracking. No, 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 no. Fuck that, Hecky. Stop trying to run everything. Derek paused for a moment. He knew he needed to lay it on thick. You guys took my angle. You beat the fuck out of me. I don't like you doing things without consulting the rest of us. I want a key to the locker tomorrow. I want one for our love. I want one for Messi. Hecky thought about it for a second. You think that's smart? What if one of us takes all of it? Then we have four suspects. If it disappears and I have the only key, well, it's obvious that I took it. It isn't that, Hecky, replied Derek. We need money to go home for Christmas, to buy gifts. You get that? This whole 26-month thing, it's not going to fly, you know? Hecky sighed. Yeah, I know. I spent 860 bucks this weekend. Derek's head snapped back. Then what the fuck are you giving me shit for? I had to fix my van, Hecky replied. And? Derek said suggestively. And I had to pay Messi for blow. And? Derek said suggestively again. And I spent some on girls. Girls? Derek asked. Are you fucking serious? Why would you do that? A hooker? Asked Arlov from his bedroom. Shut up, replied Hecky. No, look, I bought her some blow because I need to get laid. Derek snickered. Come on, you're a good looking guy. You can put the time in and get laid without paying for Yale. No, Sarge, I can't. Look, man, replied Derek. I don't want to shit on you. Just make the fucking keys and let's move past this. Hecky muttered to himself and spoke up. Fuck, whatever. He walked past Derek to the stairs. Derek felt bad. Hey, hold up. Hecky turned to face Derek. 
I can't have you paying for sex. Next weekend, we'll go out big. We'll meet some girls the good old-fashioned way. Sounds good, said Hecky. Hecky walked up the stairs to his room and closed the door. As soon as the door closed, Messy walked down the stairs into the kitchen. The dishwasher was half-loaded when Arlov popped out of his room. We getting keys? asked Messy. Derek nodded. Yeah, and I'm going to keep all of them too, you fucks. The following Friday, Derek finished work and sky-trained to the storage unit. He navigated through the building and bumped into a man carrying a large backpack that was busting at the seams. It was Messy. Yo, what are you doing? I'm taking my share, dude, said Messi as he adjusted his backpack. All of it? You're going to blow through that in like a month, said Derek. You should take your money too, Messi pointed to Derek's work backpack. Derek opened the door and walked inside their unit. There were three bags inside, each containing $25,000. Derek took his money bag and dumped the whole thing into his backpack. He closed it and locked the door behind him. They boarded a SkyTrain and headed back home to Burnaby. Derek's phone rang a few blocks away from home. He looked at the ID and showed it to Messi. It was Hecky. He knew what they'd done. Hello? Answered Derek. What the fuck, Sarge? Well, good afternoon. What can I do for you today? Why did you take it? Yeah, we're busting home. Looking forward to a good weekend. Should be fun. When are you going to be home? Soon, replied Hecky sternly. Great. We'll see you soon. Hecky and Derek both hung up. Derek turned to Messi. Fucking guy knows better than to talk on the phone. The boys arrived home and dropped the bags in their rooms. Messi yelled out, I think we need a safe. For sure, Derek replied. A few minutes later, Hecky stormed in like a hurricane. Doors slamming, feet stomping. He was making his presence known. Messi yelled out from his room. You can stop banging. We know you're fucking home. The stomping got closer as Hecky made his way up the stairs. Hello, sir, said both Messi and Derek at the same time. Who convinced who? asked Hecky. Who convinced who to do what? Derek wondered. To take the money out. You won't believe us? But we both did it separately, said Messi, as he grinned over at Derek. Bullshit. No, for real, Hecky. Derek followed up. I went there after work and Messi had already grabbed his money. Messi chimed in trying to defuse the situation. You can't make it rain without the funds, and if we're planning on getting you laid, we're going to need to make it rain something fierce. No offense. Um, offense. All kinds of offense, said Hecky. I don't know what's more offensive, that you guys don't trust me or you don't think I can get laid. No, it's definitely the trust thing, because we know you can't get laid, joked Messi. Why do I hang out with you two? Asked Hecky. Because we're the shit, answered Messi. Now let's drive the liquor into you and hit the town. Hecky settled down after some sweet talking as they pre-drank in the backyard. Hecky was able to move past the fact that Messi and Derek had taken out their money. Moments later, the front door alarm beeped twice and Arlov opened the door to the backyard. Arlov, join us, yelled Derek. In a few minutes, boys, I just have to say I took out all my money. Oh, goddamn, yelled Hecky. Derek laughed. Yeah, we did too. Yeah, so get dressed, said Messi. We're going out tonight. No, I'm good, replied Arlov as he looked down at his stained clothes. Dude, yelled Derek, you look like Kid Rock's drummer. Messi laughed and spit up his drink. <laughs> Holy fuck, that's so mean. That's cool, because I didn't even want to meet a girl, Arlov shot back. Yes, you do, said Hecky. You always stick me with the duff, said Arlov. By the time I get home and sober, I'm pushing rope. We all got our regretful nights there, buddy, said Derek. Yeah, man, remember the last girl I brought home, asked Messi. 
I do, said Derek. Hecky and I saw you two. It was like watching two seals in a kiddie pool. We looked at each other and we were like, all right. I'm not even sure what that means, said Arlov. The boys pregame before heading out to a popular club on Granville Street in downtown Vancouver. The bar was big and it was loud. Arlov broke off after meeting a girl and didn't see the boys the rest of the night. Derek and Messi tried to convince Hecky to hit on a girl, but he refused. Derek introduced himself to her. She was a cute, petite blonde. Her name was Jessica. Hecky and Messi followed Jessica and Derek as she led them to a table where she had six other friends with her. As the boys were sitting down, Messi yelled out, Lou Diamond! A man stopped and looked over at Messi. It was Lou Diamond Phillips, Messi's favorite actor. I'm buying you a drink, Lou, proclaimed Messi. He made his way over to the bar with his arm around Phillips. An hour and a half later, Jessica and Derek danced together with another girl named Megan. She was a taller, brown-eyed brunette that could dance and move. Hecky danced with the other four girls. He was finally letting his hair down. It was a relief for Derek and was also entertaining as hell to watch. Around 2 a.m., Derek pitched the idea of the group heading back to the house. He knew he would have to get the ball rolling. Do you guys want to get out of here? He asked. Where to? Asked Jessica. Burnaby, replied Hecky. Fuck that, said Megan. We live off commercial. Let's go there. Right on, yelled Hecky. The group made their way towards the exit. Derek texted Messi to let him know to meet them outside. The girls, Hecky and Derek, waited for Messi on the sidewalk out front. Hold up, guys. I want to see if Messi gets back to us. His phone vibrated. The text read, Lou Diamond. Have fun. We're good to go, yelled Derek. The group cabbed up Grenville to Smythe and drove past GM Place. Jessica began making out with Derek right in the middle seat of the van cab. Derek felt awkward initially until he saw Hecky making out with two girls in the back seat. The cabbie dropped them off on the corner of Terminal and Commercial. Everyone piled out onto the street. Derek and Hecky locked eyes and grinned at one another. They hadn't been this drunk since OC was in town. Hecky was slurring his words and walking in a figure eight. Derek playfully punched Hecky right in the shoulder. He was then dragged away by Jessica and pulled in the direction of the girl's house. Come on, this way. The group walked to a house on Cotton Drive. The two-story home had a giant staircase on the front and a big window atop the garage. It looked like something straight out of the 70s. Jessica and Megan had the tunes pumping and were hard on the liquor when Derek walked into the kitchen. Jessica poured them all a shot of Jameson. The four of them clinked glasses and downed the shot. Hecky passed Derek the bottle of Jameson and he slammed back a few swigs from it. He began walking around the house and noticed a ping pong table in the middle of the back room. On the table was a Halloween box of bite-sized chocolate bars. Derek grabbed a handful and began eating them. Jessica and Megan followed him to the back room. Do you guys have paddles? Asked Derek. Jessica smiled and answered. We use it for beer pong and flip cup. Derek replied. Okay, well, let's play beer pong. The girls ran off to the kitchen to look for cups and beer. As they left, the shots hit Derek. He was drunk. He was finishing the last of his chocolate bars when Hecky ran into the room with a shit-eating grin on his face. Yo, Sarge, Liz wants to bang, said Hecky, almost out of breath. That's great, dude. Why are you talking to me then? I don't have a condom. Do I bareback it? Hecky asked. Fuck no. Are you serious? Fuck no. Hecky noticed the chocolate bar in Derek's hand. What are you eating? Derek smiled. Snicks and Twickers, motherfucker. Yo, Sarge, 
you got fucked up. Yep, said Derek with a big grin on his face. Big time. Hecky eagerly waited as Derek pulled out his wallet. A bag of coke fell on the floor along with his jaw. Hecky was quick to scoop it up and recognized what Derek had dropped. What the fuck is this? He moved his hand quickly as Derek tried to grab it back. You know what it is. Give it back. The girls walked into the room. Is that coke? Asked Megan. Yeah, answered Derek. Why the fuck are we drinking beer? She asked. Hecky grinned at Derek and whispered in his ear. I just need two or three bumps so I can go for a while. Fine, said Derek. Go ahead. Hecky pulled out his keys and dipped them into the baggie. He snorted it straight up. Derek could see his pupils open wide and fly. He bumped again and again. Fly, Hecky, fly. Fly high. Hecky ran out of the room and left Derek with Jessica, Megan, and an eight ball of Coke, three snorts short. That's it for chapters 11 through 13 of Second Story Work, the novel. Thanks so much for listening. If you like my work, please feel free to give me a follow on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. I'm on all those platforms at author Josh Sabalski. Twitter, my handle is author J Sabalski. I also host a podcast with my good friend Corey Leckie titled Second Story. That is available on YouTube and all major streaming platforms. Lastly, I do have a book that will be coming out in 2024 titled Clean Jackson. This one will also be a crime thriller that follows a group of Pittsburgh police officers who rise up through the academy together, become disillusioned with the force, and decide to jump onto the other side of the law. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Josh Sabalski. Take care.